Hello you, welcome to Wednesday. How are you doing? How's your week been? Has it been busy in your world? Uh, you may hear the acoustics where I am are a little bit echo, echo uh, because I've moved house, which is really exciting. Uh, I'm now living by myself. I'm loving life, but I haven't got much furniture in this wanky place. So it's a little bit echoey. So bear with me. Um, I don't know what to do about that. I don't want to sit here and talk to you with a duvet over my head. So we'll just have to grin and bear it. (laughs) Um, In this episode, I'm really happy to be speaking to my friend Aqua. Now we first met incredibly on a Netflix um, shoot. We were filming for Netflix. It was a brilliant um, game show we were actually doing. I don't want to give too much away because you'll hear it in the episode. But we became really close friends. We stayed in the hotel room together. We really bonded. And since we filmed that, she's come to mind to stay. And we've built this really great friendship. Now, I've got Aqua on the episode today to speak all about motherhood. Now, not every woman wants to have children, but a lot of us do. A lot of us experience motherhood in our lives. And Aqua speaks to us about her journey to date. She's got a little girl called Lily, who is bright as a button, who's gorgeous. And I do think Aqua is doing a wonderful job. I know I'm biased, but I do think she is. And in this episode, she'll cover everything uh, from finding out that she would not be able to have children due to an eating disorder to falling pregnant and having to tell her parents at quite a young age, to raising Lily from um, two different houses because Lily's father is no longer living with Aqua. They have different partners now. And kind of talking to Lily and raising her to understand society and race and everything else in between. This is the Woman to Woman podcast and this is Aqua's story. So, we start off this podcast every time by saying about how we met. And I love our story of how we met because it's so weird. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you met me, Aqua? I remember you were, we were on the Flinch game show. Yeah. And I was kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't really speak to anybody. And then you were so bubbly. I was like, yes, that's what I need right now. But without <laughs> me having to like approach anybody. But that was when we met. Because to start off with, I felt like you were you were kind of closer to Meg, weren't you, for the first mm-hmm. like day or so, and then me and you kind of just partnered up and were like besties, <laughs> yeah, in the same yeah. hotel room and things, yeah. Oh, that was fun to think back to. That is just mad. How long ago was that even? It must be. Oh, I don't even. Must be three or four years. That's mad. Yeah, as if we were on Netflix though. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> the most I know. random Every thing ever. Watch them, I'm like, no. <laughs> oh my god! I get sometimes random messages. Someone's like, "I watched you on Flinch." Like years later, I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> do you enjoy it." <laughs> what a weird experience, though. So, for anyone listening at home who doesn't know what it is, basically like a game show set on a farm, and we didn't really have any idea what it was, did we? None of us. No. And it was in Ireland. Anything. Yeah. They sort of even before any of the tasks, they were like, Yeah, we can't tell you anything. You just have to be mentally prepared. I was like, right. What was the uh, worst one for you? Uh, the waterboarding thing. That was just torture. I love that. The pig pens, actually. Do you remember whenever 
they had like electrocutions and stuff going on I was like what is this <laughs> you're gonna have to watch this if you if you're listening to this and you're thinking what on earth are they on about getting electrocuted you have to watch it it's on Netflix called Flinch I think we're episode six a uh, little cheeky mm. plug there but yeah there was one where it was like electric um pads on our bums wasn't it and like you were mm-hmm. pushed into a gate and then you had like sheep eating food off your essentially your fanny <laughs> And I'm scared of sheep. That's like one of my biggest fears. I was literally like, don't do this. Every time they came horns. Oh my God. That was funny though. And we went out on a night out, didn't we once? I think once or twice. I can't remember. No, it was once whenever we went to like clubbing and dancing and did karaoke and stuff. Yeah. So we went to karaoke the first night and then we went on the last night, went to that really cool um, pub that we had like an outside area. I mean, it's your, yeah. it's where you live, so you probably know it better than I do. Yes, I think I can't even remember what it's called. It's not Thompson's, I know that for sure, but it's something. It's yeah. something. It was cool, and we had Monty, the the doctor from Cambridge University. Oh my days! Do you remember? And he was dancing. I was just like, "Go, Monty!" <laughs> it was, it so was amazing. Fun. It was so fun. So we've, I think, out of all of the podcasts I've done so far, our story of meeting is probably the most wild and fun. Um. But I've brought you on today to speak about motherhood because you are yeah. a mama. Um, yeah. Tell us about your little one. She is a firecracker. She's just a whole character of her own. She's mm-hmm. starting to getting more and more into her character. And I'm like, oh my gosh, so sassy. Uh, she's really, really smart as well. Yeah. Um, like starting to read and stuff. And she's doing math and she's just really, really advanced. Oh, bless her. How old is she now? <laughs> She's now four. She's turning five this year. <gasps> That's gone so quick. I know. I know. Every time I'm like, look at her. I'm like, you, you're like a proper human now. I'm like, you, <laughs> I don't have to do much for you. Oh, bless. Bless. So when, how old were you when you had her? I, oh, no, I was pregnant at 19 and had her at 20. Mm-hmm. I was 20 when I gave birth to her. It might be hard for you to kind of remember back then (laughs) but when did you find out you were pregnant tell us about that story to start off with well I was like well before for like a long period I was told like oh yeah you're infertile blah 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 you can't really have kids because I had an eating disorder and stuff so then I was like okay okay right can we touch on that quickly if you don't mind so yeah 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 so what what did you what eating disorder did you did you have and why were you told you couldn't have kids and were you of the thinking that I don't want kids anyway so that's okay or yeah take take us take us there so that's what I thought because whenever they was basically I had I was bulimic for like a while and because of that it like messed my messed up with my um sort of reproductive system type thing I think it put it on pause or something and whenever I, I used to go and get checkups and I didn't get periods for a long time. So they were like, yeah, um, you might not be able to have kids. So, you, you know, you should accept the fact that you're infertile. And like for four years, obviously, this is not advice for anybody. But for four years, it was like having unprotected sex and then nothing was happening. So I was like, OK, I definitely must be infertile. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting periods. So I was like, OK, after a while, I started getting periods. And I went for my checkup and they were like, oh, my days, like you got eggs in there. Like, if you want to have a kid, this would be the best time to do it. So before even like trying to decide, they were like, we need to run tests just before, you know, you start trying or anything like that. 
And then when they did the test, I was pregnant. And I was like, rah, what? So then they were like, yeah, you're pregnant. This is great. You know, we thought you couldn't have kids, but like you're pregnant. So I was like, okay, no, this is good. So it's like, like not a planned accident because I was going to want to have start having kids if they were saying like, this is your chance to start. So that's when I found out I was pregnant. Oh my God. That's pretty insane. So were you having unprotected sex because you were thinking, well, I can't get pregnant anyway. I'm with the same partner. Who cares? I'm not going to get pregnant. Or did you have unprotected sex because you were kind of trying to see if if you could as like reassurance? Uh, The first year or so, I think that's what it was. I was like, well, are you sure? So I was like, let me just try. Let Let me make sure. But after a year... I was just like, okay, I'm obviously not going to be having kids. So there's like, I'm going to stay with this person. Well, I thought anyway, but stay with this person for. And after four years, it happened. So I was like, right, that's that. Here we go. And then from then, I think it just started felt like just thinking, yeah, this is it now. Like I'm pregnant and my mom, I'm going to have to now start getting married, do this, that, and the other, just like rushing everything. I don't think I should have done any of that, but like, yeah, that's what happened. So when you found out you were pregnant, were you at the hospital or doctors by yourself? Yes. Yeah. I was, what was by myself. You, what was your initial kind of feeling and thought? Was it, oh my God, what the hell? Or was it like, hey, that's really good news. to be honest at the start I was like no like I can't be pregnant right now Mm -hmm. like what is it because by my I come from like a very very African background like pregnancy is so not a thing before marriage Mm -hmm. so then I was really panicking like even though at the back of my head I was like your wi-fi (laughs) you've gone like a robot it's like not right now so spartan and i was like we need to get like that helps because (laughs) this is gonna be the weirdest recording ever okay aqua you've now frozen we will see if she unfreezes working from home life i think you're back is that good you were saying something really important and then it went, and then, yeah, then you went completely. Okay. So you were saying about when you found out how you kind of reacted, you were thinking, I can't be, I'm from a traditional family, African background. This is not the said thing. That was how you felt. Yeah. I was kind of, I really was in panic. So in panic state rang my partner at the time and I was like, look, we need to book flights, right? Like this can't happen. Like I can't have a baby. Like it's not the right time. We're not even married. I know I want children, but like not right now. And he was like, sort of talking me through being like, um, look, you weren't able to have kids before. And by God's grace, you're pregnant. Let's just think about this before you start making rash decisions. Da, 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 da. So he sort of calms me down over like a week. Mm-hmm. And after then I was like, no, I actually do want a baby I would love to have a kid and even if it's now and I'm not prepared whatsoever I'm sure I can be so like I just started reading like hell avoid it you mentioned they're booking flights tell us why 
you would have to yeah. book a flight if you chose not to go through with it oh yeah because I was like yeah we have to have an abortion that's awful but I was like we have to have an abortion because there's no way I can like do this even I'm I'm so against it as well it's not something that I would have ever thought like yeah let's do this but at the time the thought process I was having was like I can't have this and I can't tell anybody that I'm pregnant I can't do anything about this so we need to go get this booked and sort of sort sorted out type of thing so where you are you're in Belfast or around Mm -hmm. that area so you would have to get a flight because in Belfast you can't have an abortion no it's it's not even legal here I think they only legalized it sort of in Ireland even for like major circumstances even not even just for like if you don't want it it's just for major circumstances over it you have to get like a flight to Wales or Scotland or here or here or England mm-hmm. to sort of get any of that those procedures done as a woman how does that make you feel really bad actually I really I feel every time I'm like when I look back and I'm like why would I even think that because now when I look at her I'm like that I would have not been able to have her if I did that in like a panic state and I would have regretted it completely Mm -hmm. so I think it's something with when that those kinds of thoughts come in like anybody's head it's good to take time to really really think about it even like over a month at least so you can be certain about what you're doing and how does it make you feel that in Belfast or Northern Ireland, that is right, isn't it? Northern Ireland. No, yeah. <laughs> My geography is not great. How does it make you feel that women would have to get a flight to have that procedure if they chose to terminate their pregnancy? Does that make you feel angry as a woman? A little bit, yeah, because mm-hmm. it's like, um, it's everybody, it's everyone's choice. Each one, it's an, like an individual thing. And I don't think a country or a place can tell you that your decision is wrong mm-hmm. in doing something and that if it's available in a country that's literally an hour away then I think you know it should be available here as well because there could be people who can't afford to take flights to go have that procedure done and so it just limits a lot of people and I think it then puts people in a position of having children when they are really not ready for it and then puts the children at like in a bad position in a home that's not really meant you know at the right time for them so I think it should be there for people for as like an option but I don't I don't know it's just each to their own type thing. Mm -hmm. You mentioned there that when you were having a kind of initial kind of panic it was your partner at the time who kind of talked you down over a duration of a week and said really think about it how was your relationship at that time between you and him? we were really solid it was like I was it was like me just waiting for the will you marry me kind of thing so right, I was okay. like, okay, we're settled so we were both really really close we talked about everything it was never like something that I was like oh no we're, we're not going to stay together forever even though we didn't I was like kind of really really certain about it so I, he brought a lot of comfort to me I think your family. So you're from, correct me if I'm wrong, is Zimbabwe? Nope. No. Oh my Zambia. God. Zambia. I knew it because of a Z. What? I was nearly there. Correct me if I'm oh. wrong. You're wrong, Hope. Zambia. <laughs> fight. Bloody hell. Off to a good start. Um, talk to us about kind of your culture and, and your family. When did they come over from Zambia to 
Northern Ireland. <laughs> uh, you were going to say Ireland. <laughs> so, well, we came over in 2006, actually. Okay. In 2006. My mom came first, like a year before, a year and a bit before us. And she sort of like had to come here to get everything ready for us to be here. Does that happen and a so- lot? Do the mum, does a lot of mothers come over first? Yeah. Yeah. Why is Most that? They're nurses. Because nursing with like over here, especially Northern Ireland, and not too sure about you, England, England as well, to be honest, they do want a lot of nurses. They've got shortages of like staff and stuff. So at the time, I think a lot of foreigners would migrate first, like the mothers would migrate first. They make money, find a home and then bring their families over, even though you would think it would be like the male that does that. There's not the because with males in Africa, most of them do engineering or electrician or that kind of like um, manual labor. And over here, it's not, there's not that many jobs for that. So it's usually the women that come first. And that's what my mom did. She came like a year before and she actually came in. She lived in England for a long time before coming to Northern oh, Ireland. Did she? Mm-hmm. she didn't really like it, though. She was like, it's very, very like, whoa like everything is everywhere so much traffic and it was really really loud for her so she was like no she didn't really want to bring us over to England and then her friends in Northern Ireland were like come in Northern it's very quiet you know it's settled there's nothing wrong with here so when she came here and found a house here she was happy enough and then brought us over yeah it's a long time to be away from your children isn't it yeah yeah very long time but growing up, we weren't really like my parents used to work a lot and they used to travel quite a lot. I think because we have lived in so many different countries, they would like move constantly with work and stuff. So we would be left with our aunties or our granny. So we were quite used to like being away from our parents. But it wasn't too hard, but obviously we, we missed them, but it wasn't too, too bad. But it was difficult for your mum. Oh, yeah having like no family whatsoever being here it's mad and then like having all her most of her friends were still in Zambia at the time and like quite only a few of her nurse friends were here so I'm sure she was very lonely and missed everybody from back home what's Zambia like it's really really lovely um I like I loved being there there's nothing I can fault it obviously it is quite it's, it's poverty stricken in certain areas as is any country but there's certain areas like where we grew up especially they're really nice areas you've got like um, Victoria Falls you've got loads of game parks there that we used to go visit and like my nanny lives in the middle of nowhere so it's like forest mm-hmm. everywhere her own river and then just her in the middle of nowhere wow it's really peaceful and it's like because you don't really go on your phones as much like you're very very distant from your phone whenever we go back home so it's nice to sort of be surrounded by people and nature rather than technology and cars has your nanny met your little one lily no no not yet sad i know i really would like her to meet her though we've been trying to get her over here for years now but she's scared of flying and she's just like no not coming well to be fair her surroundings sound very nice so why would you want to leave that you've got your own river nanny so stay put um so is your family are they religious yeah they're quite religious my religion we're christians okay Christians. 
and you we very very christian background you know our family we would pray together at night time and like we used to not as much anymore before dinner we would sit and pray we have bible studies but i think the older we get we sort of like drift almost from our religion because like there's so many worldly things so then like we sort of get diluted a bit distracted yeah distracted <laughs> uh, one of the distractions being the the opposite sex um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so when, did your family know about your eating disorder no I think at the beginning my mom would like tell me off for my eating habits and would be like you're too skinny like you need to start eating but and she would warn me like you're gonna end up getting an eating disorder you're gonna get an eating disorder if you don't start eating properly and stuff and she didn't really really know that I'd already had one at that time and I'd be hiding it really obviously that's not good to say I would hide it really really well pretend to eat my dinner I would like go upstairs and throw it up straight away Mm -hmm. and like just not eat that much and just lie that I ate so she didn't really um learn how to hide it well well like from her behavior to be honest because I would watch what she's watching me for so if she's like asking me what I've ate during the day or like watching how much I'm eating during dinner and stuff so then I would just start having my dinner upstairs and be like no I want to watch you know what watch Netflix or something while eating so I'll just eat it upstairs or like oh I'm going out with my friends for dinner today so don't cut me for dinner and stuff like that so it was just hiding a lot of habits from her. So when you found out you were pregnant she didn't know that you had been told that you couldn't have children? No. Okay first question is how did she react when she found out you were expecting and the second question is do you think she would have reacted differently had she have known that well well her reaction was like you would expect well no I would I would have expected worse to be honest coming from an African background and knowing what she's like and knowing what my parents is sort of moral code is I would have expected way worse and whenever we told them it was me and my partner sat them down and we're like look we need to tell you something really serious and actually before like a week before or like two weeks before or like I was sort of talking to her about like oh mom I think he's gonna propose like I don't know I don't know if he is but like I think he's gonna propose and so when I sat them down I think that's the news she was expecting so she was all smiles and like what what do you need to tell us and I couldn't even speak. I couldn't say anything. So then he was doing all the talking for me. And I had my head Bless down him. the whole time. And he was just like, yeah, so I need to tell you, like, we're expecting. And as soon as she, he said that, her face was just like, in like silence the whole time whilst he spoke. And then after that, the first thing my dad said was, well, you know, this is because you didn't adhere to our advice. And we did warn you against such, and this is, we didn't want this to happen for you, but it's happened and you know, we just have to deal with it from here on. We see how we cope. And I was like, oh my gosh, I would rather you scream at me or tell me like, oh my God, why would you plan that? Even though, oh, but it was I feel good. scared After, like, you I telling think- me this story. I'm like, ah, <laughs> I can sense the tension in that room. It was so crazy. And like my whole, 
my sisters and all just bombarded. They came and sat down as well, being like, what, what's going on? What are you talking about? And it was just mad. It was well, so how many bad. sisters have you got? Two? Two, yeah. One younger. older one. One old, one younger. And how did they react? My little one was just like, yes, I want you to have a baby. Even now, she's like, have another baby. Like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> she's just baby fever central. And then my older sister was kind of like, you know, I'm very disappointed. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have done that. You know, you should be careful. And this is why they say no sex before marriage. Da 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 da. da. So they were all kind of in the same boat, sort of like, oh, aqua, like you should be careful. But after like a week or two, they were all like, like, look, we're expecting a grandchild. Like we need, we're happy about this now. Like there's nothing we can do. It's, a child is not a mistake. It's a blessing, yeah. you know? So th- that was very comforting for me. They got on well with, with the daddy. <laughs> My parents. <laughs> I don't know why I said that really weirdly. Did, did your parents like your boyfriend at the time? Who was the daddy? At the time, at the time yeah. They didn't really like, they didn't really speak to him as much. Not like speak, like they didn't really in- interact that much because where we come from they see that as like no only until you're married will we like properly dive deep into like you guys and really try our best to like get to know so like when he came around to visit him and my dad would just be sitting in the living room in silence and I'd be like okay you can even need to conversate here and can't be sitting there in silence <sighs> but they did get on with him like okay I suppose and the second question was obviously, do you think your parents would have reacted differently if they knew that you'd kind of been told you couldn't have kids? Or do you think it would have been quite similar? Um, I think, to be honest, they would have been like, yay, because with anybody, if you can't have children, it's a good thing that you're able to have children, yeah. whether it's before or after marriage. So I think it would have been different, 100%. And what about his family when you told them? How different was that? Completely different. So we told his mom first and we didn't even say anything. We were just kind of like, okay, we need to tell you something. And, you know, it might be shocking, but, and then before we even said anything, she was like, you're pregnant. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh my God, I'm going to be a granny. She was screaming, shining. And I was like, wow, you're really ready for this? He was really, really excited. God, the difference. Um, so let's talk about your pregnancy. Obviously, as someone who'd had an eating disorder, I'm assuming it was quite challenging for you seeing the physical changes in your body. No, surprisingly. Okay. Because okay. from when I accepted, after like a month and a half, I sort of accepted like, look, I'm going to have to really do this pregnancy properly. I don't want to have any problems because I thought because of my eating disorder, they would cause like a lot of, there would be a lot of complications. So I had to sort of put it at the back of my head and put the pregnancy first. I was like, I make sure I'm eating what I need to make sure I'm taking the vitamins and things that I need to. I didn't really look in the mirror that often, to be honest, not gonna lie, because I knew I was going to be get, gaining weight and I knew it's going to put me off. So I didn't really look at scales. I didn't look at mirror that much. I just sort of went with the pregnancy side of things than anything. I have seen pictures of you pregnant and you look completely different. You look like a different person. I know. 
uh, like I balloon so much, like my whole face and everything looks different. You just look like, like a, isn't like you show me pictures and I was like, this isn't you. Like, are you sure that's your kid? Because that is not you in that picture. I know, I know. I was so different. I think because, and I was just kind of like, I'm eating for the baby right now. I need to make sure that the baby's eating. So I was just like eating everything and making sure. But I was, I put on a lot of weight. Would lot, you have described your pregnancy as kind of a, a simple, easy pregnancy, challenging or horrible? It was, to be honest, my pregnancy was quite like relaxing and easy. There was no issues whatsoever. I like the only issue obviously was I had to have a C-section because I couldn't, I, my hips were just not moving. I couldn't dilate big enough. So then they were like, you need a C-section. But throughout my pregnancy, my hair grew really long. My skin was glowing. Like I had no issues whatsoever. Talk to us about the first time that you saw Lily on the scan. Well, that, wait, can I pause for like two minutes? Yeah. Charger? You're going to be like, well, Go get the get- charger. That's not a problem. <laughs> Here she is. I saw you looking at the corner of, I was like, is she just, che- is she checking out her makeup? What's she doing? <laughs> Gosh. Okay, let's see. I don't want this to turn off because this laptop, I don't know why it's not even charged. I always tell him, like, please keep it charged. Hey, magic sound. There we go. Okay. So, yes, the first time I saw Lily on the scan. Yep. I was, to be, I wasn't expecting it to be like a proper human looking, like, it wasn't even human looking. They were pointing at stuff being like, there's the head, you know, there's the bot. And I was like, that's an actual human there. I was very, very like, there's a human being inside my body. So I was very, very taken back by that. But I thought I was going to be very emotional and like cry and everything, but I didn't really. Not till like the scan, whenever I saw her like putting her fist and all and like doing all this in it, I was like, oh my God. Then I started crying. What about the heartbeat when you heard that? That really, really like, threw me off because I was like that's not my heartbeat because I could feel mine at the same time as they were playing it it was like a different beat so I was like that's crazy to think that there's another human forming inside of my body isn't that so weird yeah 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 it's like it's not it's it's not gross that's the wrong word but it's like freaky in some ways isn't it yeah yeah it's like throughout the whole pregnancy I kept on feeling not weird because that's the wrong word to use like just being like because even when she moved I would be like oh my gosh there's something inside like you know that kind of weird feeling but I don't know but I can imagine (laughs) (laughs) I know but it was it is weird like if you've never been pregnant before obviously if it's your first time that's a proper like there's a human being inside of your stomach and they're moving and you can feel them like hit your rib a little bit and like touching every oh it's just a bit weird how did you prepare for her coming what did you do like in your in your life to get things in order I what did I do first thing I did was like read a lot of pregnancy books and like how to be a mom and what you need to do to be a good mom and like just properly tried my best to educate myself and then started 
researching sort of like losing weight and stuff after pregnancy and like what to look out for in a baby and like the do's and don'ts and everything and one of the things that freaked me out was like <laughs> cot deaths because there's a lot of cot deaths so that's one thing that I was very very anxious about even after she was born I couldn't sleep for like a week because I was like watching her sleeping the whole time it was just mad but I just read a lot to be prepared to be honest read do you think anyone is ever really ready no to be honest no matter how many books you read or how many videos or tutorials or other people's experiences you hear about until you are in the position yourself you kind of decide what's going to happen you can't allow other people to guide like you can in a way but it's down to you and what you do so I don't think anybody can really be prepared for it tell us your birth story from start to finish and be as be as gory as you need to be (laughs) my gosh it was mad I thought it was gonna be like a smooth because even like from like 23 weeks I started searching like can I give birth now like am I able to give birth so I was really excited to give birth because I was like that's a that's a big thing in a woman's life to give birth I mean like one of our biggest purposes is to give life to people so I was like okay really really excited and then two weeks before I was like okay started daunting on me like I have to squeeze this thing out of my vagina like it's gonna have to come out that way so I was really really scared started doing kegel like kegel but like the ball sitting exercises and doing all these like loosey-goosey like to make it loosey-goosey down there so after that I was like waiting for my due date my due date passed and I was like what's happening I'm not (laughs) even like in track like what is going on a week passed and I was like whoa so then I went overdue. I think you can only go overdue by two weeks or 10 oh, days. How were you feeling at that point? Were you just so heavy and just, oh. Yeah, because then she started dropping and like I could feel everything was like there, like way, way down there. So I was like, if it's down there, then it should be ready to come out. I don't understand why I'm not giving birth right now. And then I started getting really like annoyed because I was like, I've been waiting for like nine months and like it's still not ready. Come on. <laughs> I know. Oh but then after that, they was like, right, if you don't give birth by this day, you have to come in and we're going to have to induce your labor. So then that day came. And even the night before, I couldn't even sleep properly. I was just waiting to go in. As, as soon as it was time to go, I was like really, really excited we got to the hospital and like waddling in I was like right at least like let the waters break or something but nothing happened so I went in they did their checks and they were like okay we're gonna see if you're you know gonna give we're gonna give you like a little tablet for in like to put it in my vagina and then it was like induce labor so I was like right okay and they were like it should take like sort of about you know four hours or so and then you'll start to feel something and I was like right okay cool after half an hour and I'm telling you these contractions were like fully blown contractions and I was sitting there like you you can't be like I can't keep doing this for an hour four hours until I start and they were like you're gonna have to keep it in there that's what happens how would you sorry to pause you but for someone who hasn't had a contraction 
describe the feeling if you can is there anything that's similar oh no even the people say it's like your period cramps times 10 and like period cramps I can take any day but this is like the inside part of you that you've never felt before you even never even knew you had feeling is like being like ringed and squished or something and like it was just too much too too much <laughs> Like I had to close my, just to close my eyes and just distance myself from like reality for a minute until the pain passes. And then I'm like, right, it's back to normal. It's as if nothing happened. It's madness. But then, oh, so after that, after they put, after the, after the half an hour of like just pure pain, they were like, okay, we're going to have to take it out because you seem very uncomfortable, but maybe. No shit. But like you see very like these contractions are very very like short space of time so like we need to take it out so they took it out and they took it out because i would have thought yeah. it would dissolve how did they take it out it was meant to dis- oh where do you see this one's going? it was meant to dissolve but then they were they just had to like take it out again they had to reach in there and pull it out again and it was like a weird like a clothy feely looking thing that's weird who's come in lily that's okay What's up? I'm, I want, where's, where's, where's mommy that, that I saw on, on the Lego? Um, I think it's downstairs on your Lego box. Do you want to check that? Mm-hmm. Or check your room, maybe it might be in your room. I, I want to say hello. She Hi, Lily. Hello. Uh, Hi, darling, you okay? Yeah, do you remember me? I do remember you. Do you remember me? <laughs> I'm not sure you remember me. Do you remember <laughs> with your porridge in your lips? <laughs> Are you in your pajamas? So no, it's a top from oh, Zara. Oh, it's a top. No, oh, it's a top from Zara. Sorry, you have porridge on your face. I thought maybe you were in your jammies. I'm sorry, yeah. Lily. Right, Connor's calling you downstairs. Go see what he wants because I'm still doing this. Check your room. Though. It might be in your room. Do you want to close the door for me, please? Why? So then there's no noise. <laughs> wow. We're talking about your birth, Lily. I know. <laughs> She's such a character. You want to hear this? And then mummy had a pill pulled out of her vagina. Um, I know. Okay. So you're in too much pain. So they took that out again. I'm very surprised they done that because I thought when you were induced, it was like an injection. That, well, you can be, but they put like a little tablet thing and it like slowly releases over four hours and it's meant to release like some kind of thing that makes you start contractions. Right. Over like slow, it's a slow release tablet. But I, they had to take, because it was way too painful. And then when they were measuring the contractions, they were like, okay, no, we need to take this out because you're very uncomfortable and you're going to cause distress for the baby inside. And I was like, okay, okay. So they took it out and I was still contracting and they were like, okay, you're starting to dilate. So that must've worked. It must've like kickstarted your labor. And I was like, okay, I'm dilating, I'm dilating. But my waters didn't break. So I was like, how, how can I be dilating? And then my waters haven't broken yet. So mm-hmm. what's going on? And they were like, we just have to wait or else we're gonna have to break the waters. And I was like, right, okay. So I went to the toilet and I was sitting in the toilet and I felt like, like a inside and I was like what is that I was like is she moving or like what's happening and when I looked down it was just gush of water like oh 
I was peeing myself and I was panicking, being like, I just peed myself. I don't know what to do. And then I Can went, I just ask, this is, again, this is, it might be a bit TMI, but well, not really. Um, I've heard that when you're having a baby, your bowels empty themselves beforehand. I think that's what, though, honestly, I think that's why I went to the toilet. Because when I went to the toilet, that's what I was doing. I was doing a number two. So it was like, okay, I'm just obviously here to do a poo and that's it. Yeah. But I didn't know, but I didn't even know that was a thing that you have to go poo before you give birth. I suppose lots of tubes going on there and lots of pushing. <laughs> I mean, my mum will love me for sharing this, but she pooed on all of us when we came out. That's what they say. Like you, you ha- you're going to, something's going to come out. You're not in control. <laughs> Just let it go. Okay, so that happened and you were thinking, what on earth? I've just had a kind of waterfall going on. What did you do then? I was I, I sat in the toilet for like a minute and a half, two minutes, just being like, um, I don't know if that was my, I don't know if I just peed myself. So as I was walking, it was still dripping. And I was like, I'm so embarrassed. I don't know what to do. So I was walking back and this dribble was following me. Now I went back and I was like, I think my waters have broke, but I'm not too sure. And then they were like, okay, let's have a look. They had a look and they were like, yes, your waters have broken. You know, this is good. So you're in labor now. So I was like, okay, this is good. I'm going to, I'm going to be squeezing soon. But then I was feeling the pain and I was like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can do this. Cause like that's, this is already sore enough. I don't know how I could go any further than this. So I was just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing was happening after like eight hours I was four centimeters dilated and they were like okay this is good you're slowly moving but like it's happening and then after like 16 hours they were like it's still four centimeters dilated so you would don't know what's happening but we just need to give it time and I was in so much pain oh I bet you were so tired as well weren't you no, not as no, tired as no. adrenaline. Adrenaline, yeah. Yeah. I had the gas and air and I was sucking it to the highest of heavens, just being <laughs> like, take this pain away. But just anxiously waiting. So I was like, this isn't even it. Like there's oh, more to come. I know. But then after two days, I was still four centimeters dilated. <sighs> two days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Which is God, like, I was like, you can't let me. I know, right? I was like, you can't let me be in this much pain for two days. Like, this isn't normal. And they were like, you know, we're going to have to just let you try. And I was like, no, you're going to have to, like, do a C-section. Because, right, at the start, after, like, 24 hours, my mom was there with me, and she's a nurse, and she was like, you know, you're going to have to give her a C-section because this this is, she's been four centimeters for far too long, and nothing's happening. Yeah, and not good for baby either. And surely... I mean, this is me being very good at like my geography earlier. If there's no waters, is the baby just floating round like in nothing? And like nothing. That's what. No, I think like they're still hitting the water. side of your muscles. Like boom, boom. It's so squishy in there. Probably the intestines and all are like keeping her cushioned and everything. Uh, I don't even know. It doesn't feel safe though. It's like the bubble's gone. I know, right? Like the protection bubble. So I think she must have been like getting squashed or something I don't even know but the, I, I don't think it would have been very safe to keep her in there any longer but they were like no we can't just jump to a c-section we have to let you try and my mom was like look she is in pain and they were giving me like tens which is like 
a drip and then every three minutes you click it and it releases like um medicine just like help you with your contractions but that wasn't even working I kept pressing it at the wrong time and so like my contraction would have started before I could press it I was just like this is crazy this is just madness I know. So two days, your mum was saying she needs a C-section. You were saying I need a C-section. They were saying, no, no. But you had a C-section. So how did you get from there to there? So after, well, no, before my mum, my mum was the one who first suggested a C-section after like 24 hours. But she was saying a C-section even after like 12 hours. She was like, no, we're going to need a C-section. But I was like, I don't, I don't want my belly cut open. That's not something I want. And then after the 24 hours, I was screaming, like, you need to give me a C-section right now. And they were like, no, you didn't want one, so we need to try. Then after the 24 hours, they came in and they were like, okay, we're going to have to take you in for a C-section because the baby's starting to get very distressed because she start, her heart rate started going up really fast. So they were like, we need to get her out of there in case something happens. So I was like, right, okay. So they took me to a room where they had to give me an epidural and I have like a fear of injections and I was watching videos of epidurals beforehand and they just did not help whatsoever. So Is it a huge needle? Yeah, and it goes, it goes in the <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to have any injections either. What? Oh, it's too much. And they were like, it's, it's okay, we're just going to inject this into <sighs> one of your spine vertebrae. And I was like, yeah, you're saying that like it's such a, like a thing. <laughs> But then they, but I had to sign a waiver as well that they were like, you know, we have to let you know in cases, not very often, but you could go paralyzed. And I was like, you're telling me this before you're giving me, like, that's not something you should say. You literally got it there, <laughs> like squirted <laughs> out with your gloves on. And now you're going to tell me that I might be paralyzed if I have this after being in pain for two days. I know. And they were just like, Luke, it's going to have to happen. We're just going to have to move on quickly because, blah, blah. and I was in there like, wait, I'm not ready. And they were like, we need to do this. So then like two doctors had my arms, no one doctor on this side and another on this side. And I was sitting there wriggling like, wait, I'm not ready for this. And they were like, you need to stay still. And I was screaming at the top of my lungs. Like, if you fucking touch me, I will see you. Like, get away from me, blah, 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 blah. And then everyone was like, calm down. And I couldn't stay still. So they had to hold me really, really still. And then they put the, the anesthesia or anesthetic injection first. They were like, it's going to just sting a little bit. And it felt cold. And then I was like, okay. And then they injected it. I was like, is it in? Is it in? Is it in? And they were like, yeah, it's done. And that was that. But there was still, like, they put a tube in there. So I still had this tube in my spine. And then a tube. Like my, yeah, they had to put like a thing down there. I don't even know what it Does was. Does that happen for everyone? No idea. No. Oh no, it wasn't in my spine. It was in my vagina. A catheter, not in my spine. <laughs> God. <laughs> I had to put the catheter. It sounds the like there was a lot going on. So I don't blame you for getting confused. So you had a tube up your vagina, which was a catheter. So obviously mm-hmm. your urine your urinary tract was urinary tract or whatever it's called was having a situation yeah I think that like I don't know if like I don't even know why they had to put a catheter because my hole from here down was paralyzed not paralyzed oh, okay so once you had the epidural then they put that on yeah 
Right. Yeah. I was thinking, I don't know what happened between there and there. Okay. Right. So you had the epidural. At this point, she, her heart rate was going a bit nutty. Mm-hmm. So they were struggling. Do you feel, did you feel like they were prioritizing the baby over you in terms of what you wanted and your well-being? Absolutely. Yeah, they were in a way still looking out for me, but they were more like it's about like her heart rate is going up. We need to get her out of there as safely as possible. And they were like, what we're doing to you is safe and we know it's safe. So you just need to relax so we can get the baby out. But when you were saying earlier on, I'm not okay. I want a C-section. They said, no, no. Yeah, they were She's just fine. like, no. Yeah, and they were so blasé about it. I was sitting there like, no, you need, like, this is too much. And they were like, look, it's, this is what birth feels like. You know, we need to give your body the chance to do it naturally. And I was sitting there like, I don't think you're feeling what I'm you're feeling giving me, right now. I think you're giving me two days. That's a long time. Okay, so you had the the epidural, you had the catheter on in. How many centimeters were you then? Still four. Still. And they wanted you to. Four. They wanted to give you the epidural so you would push. No, the epidural so then they can start the C section. So right. This was like okay. They were like, we need to get you ready. I didn't know they'd done the epidurals for C sections. I thought they just done epidurals voluntary if you were wanting to not feel the pushing I didn't know you had that yeah no I don't think you can push with an epidural yeah no yeah how are you gonna how are you gonna feel it you get told you get told to I think you get told to push my sister had one you get told to push but you can't feel it yeah right but you can't feel anything no right why did I not do that we'll need to we'll need to well, you're only four centimeters. If you pushed, you would have ripped in half. I know. Okay. Yeah, because I thought that was right. Anyway, so I you thought had... they should have just given me the epidural through like the the dilate, and I would have thought, like, why not do that? Then? Yeah. I don't know. Don't know. Well, there's no point going back now and saying you want a refund. <laughs> <laughs> epidural. You completely numb. They start the mm-hmm. C-section. Yeah, so I was laying on my back and they had to lift me on the black because I couldn't move. I was like just moving my head and I, I could not move anything. Is that really scary? Yeah, because I've never felt that. Obviously, nobody's ever felt that. But I was like, I literally can't. I'm trying to move stuff and nothing was moving. Oh. It was just so weird. And I was like, right, and you just told me previously that I could be stuck like this. So I was just having anxiety about like, what if I st- I'm stuck? What if I just stay like this? So after that, they put me under the bed and they put a sheet up and then they were like, just within like five minutes, they started. I was like, you haven't even given me time to process that you're going to cut me open here. But they were like, yeah, it's good. It started. And then they were like, you're going to feel a bit of pressure here. And it was so like, just a weird, I couldn't feel it, but I could feel it. If that makes sense. Did it it feel like someone was rooting around? Yes. Yes. feel that they're like they kept hitting my ribs every so often and like I could just feel stuff it wasn't sore it wasn't pain I just felt in like people in my insides were they explaining to you what they were doing not really they just kept saying right that's it we're in and then we'll go there she is there she is and I was like what do you mean they were like right we have to turn her and they were like what do you mean like they were, that's all they were saying. I think they were like talking aloud to each other. So then I um, can be aware of what's happening as well. 
was just really like and I was looking at my part because he was looking over and seeing what was happening and he his face was just like oh, <laughs> why are you doing that like you can't do that while I'm laying here and I can't see anything let's describe that face so for people who are listening obviously might not be able to see you the face was just horrified yeah it was like a disgust and like shock and just like like what are you doing type of thing and I was like, if you're having that face and I'm the one getting it done, I'm like, I want to see because I want to be able to know what's happening for your face to be doing those kind of movements. And Would you have wanted uh, to see? Yeah. 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 No, I probably would have fainted, to be honest. I'm not good stuff like that. But I would have wanted to see, like, is she coming out in the sack? Or, like, do you take the sack away before she comes out? Like, what? I, don't, I didn't really know what was going on in there. And what it looked like. Okay. So they they brought her out and then they put her on you? No, when they brought her out, she wasn't crying. Right, okay. So I was like, right, what's happening? Is she out? And they were like, because whenever they brought her out, they were like, there we go, she's out. And then they called the time. They they put her like on scales. They told the scale, but I wasn't hearing any crying whatsoever. So I was like, oh my God, is she like alive? Or like, did was that too much for her? Like, was her heart rate too much? And so after that, they gave her like a vitamin K injection. And then she started crying. So I was like, oh my God. And when I've heard her cry, I just burst into tears. So like, there's a human being. There's a human growing for months. And then, oh, it was just bliss. And then they put her into my chest only for like, until they sewed me back up. And then after that, they had to put me to sleep. So then I could like have everything go back to normal and stuff. Oh, So it was really bizarre to have her on my chest, knowing that she was just in my belly two seconds ago. And now she's on my chest and she's real. And like, it's an actual human being. It was very, very surreal. Did you have her name already planned? Oh yeah. Yeah. And when you saw her, you were like, it fits. Yeah. I thought it wasn't going to, to be honest. I thought I was going to have to change her name to Daisy. Mm-hmm. But no, she fit. She's really suited Lily. So when you come round after you had your operation and you came round, um, did you spend some time in hospital with her? Yes. I was a bit annoyed because like the first hour and a half I was asleep. So then she was with my mom and my partner oh. at the time. I know so I was like I was very a bit like annoyed at that but I think I was very emotional at the time and I was just like I would be annoyed about that I'd be like <laughs> no you don't get to see her first I know I mean your partner okay but not your mum I know I was like she's gonna think you're her mum or something like I'm the one that she's meant to bond with first but I had to get over it after like <laughs> just walking in your mum <laughs> breastfeeding her you'd be like whatever you do I would be in the shit like no I would be kicking her out but she was great she was such like so hands-on and every time she'd be like no you need to rest let me take her you know you need to sleep and I'd be like that's my baby and you're really taking over right now but no she was really really helpful and obviously when you have a c-section it takes longer for you to be able to move and be able to do things so yeah yeah was it a lot of pain I was on a lot of cocodamol and codeine to be honest so like the pain was not that much 
And I still had the catheter in and like a pee bag at the time, which is so gross. I had to walk around with like this bag of pee and run the hospital. But after like a few hours, they were like, okay, we're going to try and get you up and standing. You know, you're go- it's going to feel a bit weird because you, you know the sensation of walking and stuff. And so when I stood, it was, I felt very, very, very heavy and like really, really weird. Well, like your and limbs were like being dragged. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't necessarily sore. Like the um, scar or the wound wasn't really sore. When I looked at it, it was just a bit like icky because I have surgery and things with me just don't do too well. So then I was, I couldn't really look at my tummy. I had to get my mom to like, just look at it for me and tell me what was going on there. Mm-hmm. And it was weird. It was also weird not to have anything there because it was like empty. It was filled, but not as filled as before. So like the belly doesn't go down straight away, but it was still there. So it was just a bit weird. Everything was kind of like, oh. I don't know why that I'm surprised that the belly still has that kind of def- deflation thing even when you've had a C-section, because for me, that would have been like instant. That feels more instant. You would have thought so. I thought it would be instant, but it was like not as big as, cause my belly was big. Like my, it was big. And so it went from like this size to like this size. So it wasn't a massive difference. I could still tell like there was stuff that's still not right in there. I would have thought it was going to go away straight away. And like they were going to, with the C-section, I thought they were just going to be like, let's just clip this bit of skin off. So, you know, it goes back to flatness, but no, still like an overhand. So I was like, okay, that's that. So when you came home, the first week or so, how was that? I was, oh, it was anxiety driven for me. Very, very anxiety. Because when I first arrived home, it wasn't as sore because I was on so many medications and then I had to keep getting blood thinners, which I'm really scared of injections. So like it was a week of hell for just for me having to get injections all the time. And then my mom kept having to like clean my um, C-section wound. And I was just like, oh, this is too much. And then I like walking was a bit much. And I was just like, no. And then with her, I had a lot of anxiety about like, what if she suffocates or like what if she's not breathing probably it was more whenever she's sleeping I had because when she was just read too much about cot deaths and so when she was sleeping I would be watching her the whole time and then I would get my mom to watch her so that I can sleep for like a few hours and then whenever I wake up again I'd go back to watching her like sleep the whole time for like a week so it was very different did you try to breastfeed Yes, from like the minute she was born, because I really, really wanted to breastfeed, like for until she was three, because that's very advised to like keep breastfeeding on as long as possible. It's good for them. And the first time in the hospital, it was really frustrating, to be honest. I was like crying and everything because I couldn't, I didn't, nobody tells you like, this is what it feels like when it's right. And you know, like when they latch on, it's this feeling where it's like, like a vacuum almost. And I couldn't get that. But when the nurse kept, came over, all she did was just put the boob in her mouth and it would happen. So I was like, well, how come you can do it? And I'm failing for like a long time. So that really stressed me out. You used the word failing there. Did it feel like you were a failure? 
Yeah, to be honest, because that was like one of the first things you had to do as a mom is breastfeed. So I was like, I can't even breastfeed properly here. And like, how am I going to be able to raise a child if I can't even breastfeed properly? Did you get so that? Like, Were you able to do it? Yeah, um, eventually I was like, because you had to, like, you have to put your tit to their nose so they can smell like the milk and then they would latch on themselves. So she had to learn to latch on just as much as I had to learn to put like the boob into her mouth and so it was like a thing we had to learn together but then because I was really stressing about it and then I was worrying that she's not eating enough and she's not like getting enough I started panicking and then I started combination feeding so I would breastfeed but then if I felt like it wasn't enough I'd give her a bottle at the same time is that advisable you can do it. They try to tell you just to like, just keep on doing the breastfeeding because then she, eventually she will get it because they start com- combination. They start preferring the ball because it's easier. You just put it in their mouths and they suck and that's it. But, and I think she started liking the bottle more, even though I was breastfeeding still, she started liking the bottle more and she would like push the boob out of her face and I'd be like, Bruh. so then I started, <laughs> I know it's like, why? I started pumping and putting it in a bottle for her. So she was still getting breast milk for a long time, just not the way I wanted it to. So after like a month, she she weaned herself off. She would not take the breast because I was giving her more bottle than I was my boob. So it was really sad. That way. It's really odd, isn't it? But that, I mean, I only know that breastfeeding is challenging because my I've, I've, had a sis, I've got a sister who's got three children, but you don't get told that, it's something that you have to work at. It's just boobs are for feeding your baby, but you're not told that not everyone is able to do it mm-hmm. and that it's hard. Yeah. yeah, they don't tell you enough. They, they tell you too much about um, the post. Okay, no, they do warn you about postnatal. That's the one thing that they tell you about. It's just keep watching your postnatal. But they don't really tell you too much about it. Like, yeah, they give you books and stuff and there's these classes, but it, do- it doesn't compared to what actually happens because whenever I was going through I really really did struggle and it made me cry a few times being like I can't breastfeed like it's really something that I really really wanted to do because it's like a bonding time for you and the child and then it helps you lose weight as well it's really healthy for the child so it really I felt like I missed out a lot without breastfeeding but it is very hard postnatal there you mentioned postnatal depression is that something that you experienced yeah yeah and it's something they kept warning me like they do warn you a lot about it and tell you like look you really need to watch out for this and if you start feeling like this you need to talk to us you need to tell us and when it started I was just kind of like no this is just normal you know I'm a new mom I'm gonna be feeling down every so often because my hormones are like up and over my body's trying to recover from growing a human being inside me so it's normal and so for six months I was just telling myself like yeah this is normal like this is what every mother goes through six months six months I know of just constantly downplaying it which is not good because at at the six month mark I was really really bad and I was crying a lot I really like the relationship between me and Lily started going a bit rocky because I started like how can I put it I started being really bothered by her 
And like when she cried, I'd be going nuts. And I'd be like, this one time it got so bad. And that's whenever I figured like, no, I need to get help for this because this is not normal. She was crying and I couldn't get her to settle at all. And then I was just freaking out because it was just me in the house. And my partner at the time was in work and my mom was in work. So it was just me. And she was crying and crying and crying. And I couldn't get her to stop. And so I just screamed at her like, would you just fucking shut up? And so it frightened her as well. And after seeing that, I was like, that's really awful. Like, I can't be sitting screaming at a baby. I don't know what's wrong. Like, she could be having colic pains. She could be like, something could be seriously wrong. So after that incident, I ended up calling my health visitor. And I was like, look, I've just screamed at her. And I've never done that before. And it's yeah. just starting to get a bit much. Scared you, not just Lily. Yeah, yeah, it scared me because I was like, I can't that's a child you cannot be screaming at a child and I cannot be getting that frustrated at a child especially not when she's like obviously portraying signs of like being uncomfortable or being in distress or something and so it just wasn't a nice experience at that time but then whenever I told the health visitor and she was like right okay so you know you do you seem to be having like postnatal sort of feelings postnatal depression sort of feelings and whenever she used to visit me before she would ask me you know the questions to make sure that I'm not going through postnatal and when I look back at it I wasn't answering them very honestly I was trying to come across as if like no it's fine you know I'm handling it yeah there are some bad days but they're expected you know everybody is expected to have bad days and that's how I was sort of answering the questions why do you think you weren't honest with her I think because I would have thought she thought you're not capable or like you're not quite there yet. So I like I don't know. They should, I just thought like she would have seen me as like unfit to be looking after her or like I needed help, which I, at the time I was like, I don't want people to think I need help, which is just bizarre. Like everybody needs help, especially whenever you're a first time mom, you definitely need all the help you can get. It seems as though you didn't want to be portrayed as a bad mum is that something that you constantly feel when you enter motherhood or enter even pregnancy that you're you're feeling like everyone's judging you yeah definitely even to this day literally like yesterday because we have a blackboard in the house and on the blackboard I write sort of stuff to remind me things all the time and on it the other day I wrote on it um what did I write how to better my parenting experience for both me and her and like on the other side of it I wrote um I need to be a better parent so every single time even when the smallest thing happened or when I tell her off or when I feel like maybe I'm not like teaching her enough or I'm like not spending enough time with her it's just a constant worry of like am I a good enough mom yet like there's always this bar of like okay if it's down here and I feel low it's just really crappy and I feel like everybody can tell that I'm being a bad mom or like everybody can see that I'm not doing things right or something which is like I think it's going to be forever to be honest you said yet do yeah do you think you will ever come to a time where you don't feel like that no I honestly don't now I'm starting to realize it's like some even whenever I was like with my mom 
whenever I was a teenager, my mom would sometimes cry and be like, I've failed, especially when I do something bad or like when I disappoint her very, very much. She would be like, I've failed as a parent. You know, if I did this better, you wouldn't be doing this kinds of things. Or if I did A, B, C, D, you wouldn't be doing this. So even now, my mom still feels like that. So it's a big indicator to me, like it's just going to be a thing that I'm going to have to sort of deal with. What makes a good mum? I think that what does make a good mum? That question's meant to be hard to answer because that's the point, Aqua, I was trying to make. I know it. (laughs) In a metaphorical way. What makes a good mum? Fuck knows. (laughs) Literally, I have no idea. I have no clue what to me when I look at other people I think especially with social media and like these vloggers that own most of the time all they put up is their perfect mumming experience and how their kids are doing so good and I look at other people's because I'm like wow how come I'm not quite there yet and I'm not as in love with parenting as everybody seems to be I see sometimes I'm just sitting there like oh my god how am I going to do this So I don't, I really don't know what makes a good mom or a good parent. Have you ever felt during your pregnancy or when you maybe first had Lily or even now ever felt lonely? Like you're just doing it by yourself. Yeah. And no one else in the world knows how it feels. Yeah. Literally. I think that was more like maximized whenever I split up with my Mm ex-partner because actually no even before whenever I was with my ex at the time god bless him and like I'm not saying anything negative towards him I think with everybody everyone's going to be a first parent a first time parent at one stage and you don't have a rule book you literally have to figure things out as you go along and so when at the time because I had read so many books and I was like pinpointing everything being like okay I've done this which means it's good I've done this which means you know I'm taking off these things which to me I was looking at myself I'm like okay I'm doing the right things and then I would look at him and I'm like why are you not doing the same things I'm doing obviously like you I must be the only person that's like doing this and I felt like I'm the only like parent that's doing this because he wouldn't really he would be out working and so I'd be at home doing most, nearly all the things. And then when we split up, it was like, because I had her most of the time. So I was like, I'm the parent. I'm the one that's guiding her. I'm the one that's giving her the moral code. I'm the one that's deciding with dentists and schools. I'm the one that's doing most of the things. And so even now, I still feel like that. I feel like it's going to be me most of the time because I, I can't let someone else tell me what to do with my child. <laughs> Did you have any friends who were having babies at the same time? No, no, not until like a year later. The you... one of, sorry, go on. No, well, a year later, one of our friends and our group of friends had a baby as well. And then another year later, and one of our other friends had a baby. So the three of us have children now. Is that nice? It is. Yes. It's so it's good to talk to a mom. And be like, share all these momming experiences and all these struggles that we're having. And like the other day, I took Lily to go see Brooklyn, which is the daughter of the friend I was talking about, Nicole. And 
even just being around a parent knowing like okay you're still you're feeling you're probably feeling the same as I am sometimes mm-hmm. and we talk about these things and she reassures me and how I'm feeling and be like girl I'm feeling the same like you don't need to worry about that and so it gives comfort I want to touch on identity um again I don't know because I'm not a mother but I assume that it can feel a little bit weird when you've become a mother because that's kind of becomes your primary role and you might have a crisis in terms of you in your head being like who am I what am I doing did you did you experience that identity crisis yeah I think I still am experiencing identity crisis to be honest because the the person I was before Lily was just a completely different person and so for me that was my identity that was the person I was I was like in line with who I want to be you know the pe- the person I want to portray myself as the person I want people to think I am and then whenever I became a mom it was like okay now I need to become a mom and like people need to see me as a mom and I need to have a completely different personality I need to think differently about things and even now I kind of worry and be like I don't I don't know what like what to do I don't know how to behave I don't know whether this is really me or I'm just pretending like this is me because I'm a mom like those kinds of feelings it's really unusual isn't it I mean I don't I'm I'm saying that because I don't know like I feel like I know myself but (laughs) it must feel like what's going on and do you feel like you kind of forget you yeah I really really do and it gets to a point where like recently especially I've been sort of like I need to like find myself so I've been reading like self-help books I've been reading like holistic healing so I'm like I really don't know myself as much as I think I do and I really need to like look within myself and see what type of person I actually am because now that I'm I've got a different role which is a mother different compared to the way I was thinking the life that I wanted to live is not going to be the life that I am now so I'm having to sort of rejig everything and be like okay, is this really the type of person that I want to be? What morals do I want to have? Like what kind of, what things do I view in what way? So like everything really. And I have to read so many books just to be sure of whether I am really who I say I am. Well, you're definitely proactive. I mean, that's for sure. Have a no. little read at a book if you're unsure. Um, did you feel like you lost any of your friends when you either found out you were pregnant or when you had Lily? Did you feel like you lost people and did you think they viewed you differently? Yeah, to be honest, because before Lily, mm-hmm. I would have I I've always had way more guy friends than I've had girlfriends anyway. And come like realizing was really quite a bit hurtful that most of my friends weren't really friends with me. They were more like, hopefully I get into you one day type thing because when I had a baby they like like just kind of like distanced themselves quite a lot and I was like why and like the girls friends that I had they were still there they were still like they would be like yeah let's go take Lily out let's do ABCD but none of the guy friends were doing that there was only like one who even to this day we're not as close as before I think just being mom to be honest but and then now I've lost even the girlfriends that I had from before I'm not really friends with because their life doesn't really align with my life the things that they do don't really align with the things that I do and like 
I just I wouldn't really want to be surrounded by those kind of people right now because they would inject some bad influence in my life which I don't really want (laughs) very well put (laughs) very well put um you mentioned throughout this kind of recording um or this conversation shall I say that you and Lily's father are no longer together um Mm. talk to us about that we don't have to go into too much detail about him because that's not what we're here to talk about but in terms of navigating that as a mother how has that been um really hard to be honest because with every breakup obviously it's hard and so at the beginning when we broke up I think we both knew it was better for the both of us because we weren't really it got so bad like we weren't getting along we were living in the same house but then we wouldn't really speak to each other that much and like when we did speak to each other it was really hostile and so we just knew like the relationship needed to end But both of us knew we really wanted to put Lily at like the forefront of anything. It wasn't going to be like we're going to neglect our parenting together. We're still going to parent together. And so that was okay for a while until like I started just thinking differently because I was like, okay, I didn't really feel like um, he was doing as much as I wanted him to do for being a parent like he was still having his life the way he had it before he was still going out the same amount that he was and like just doing the same things like so I was like you're not really for me on my standards anyway you're not really parenting and so we started to differ and I was like right I'm just gonna take her most of the time and so that I know that she's being raised properly and so that I'm comfortable like I'm aware of how she's being raised and so he was okay with it well no not really he wasn't okay with it he was like no he fought for a while and so we had her equal time for a while until I was just like no it can't happen I need to be aware that she is properly being looked after because I don't feel like you're doing it because one of the things because she's mixed race and with mixed race people for example their hair her hair is very different to say Caucasian hair and so he wouldn't really know how to do her hair and he would be like tying it in knots to put it up and when she came to me I would have to be like picking these knots out of her hair which were hurting her and I was like you can't if you need me to sit you down and like show you how to do her hair I will do that and I wasn't saying that in like a I'm better than you where I was just like let me let me show you so then you can so then this doesn't happen And he was just like, no, 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 I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. So that really just aggravated me. And then we differ in like moral codes. I think I'm very like my mom, very strict with things. I like things done a certain way and I want her to be raised a certain way. And so he's quite lackadaisical. He's just like, yeah, you know, she wants to do this. She'll do it. You know, she wants to watch TV for five hours. She can do that. I'm just like, no. (laughs) don't do that and so because we differ so much I think it's just makes it a lot harder to co-parent together I thought it was a long time to watch to watch telly (laughs) isn't it (laughs) long long time long time long time I'll back you on that okay that's interesting and now that you're with someone new Mm -hmm. how has that been in terms of introducing him to Lily and a bit rocky to be honest what we had agreed both of us sort of 
agreed that if we do meet someone, we would introduce each other to them before we introduce them to Lily so that the other person can be comfortable with, you know, the person that's going to be around their child. And so that's what I tried to do. You know, I tried to get them to meet up to meet up before I introduced Lily to um, Connor. And I, tr- I tried my very best to do that, but because of the pandemic and all that, I moved here before he got to meet Tyler. And so I was seeing him for like a year because I wasn't really sure whether we were going to be together together or like what's going to happen. And so because my mom works in hospitals and at the time the pandemic was like a big thing so I was really worried in case we caught COVID or anything so I was like okay you go to your dad so it's safe there and I'll go with Connor and I'll stay there for a while and so during that I was like right you guys need to meet up because I'm not going to be going for months without seeing my child that's not okay and so they met up and that was fine we had the conversation that was very important to me where he was comfortable enough that was the person that was also going to be around his child he was comfortable enough saying yes that's your ex that's you know that's the father of the child but there's nothing there and they were both okay with it but then slowly slowly it started being a bit evident like as anybody would be I'm sure I'm gonna I'm not gonna be happy about it not happy about it but I'm not gonna want someone else playing mom to my child you know someone else being involved in her life it's gonna be hard so I think it is hard for him to to have someone else in her life that she she completely adores Connor she like she's so just really close their bond is very very close and I think that's because they met when she was very young like she is still very very young and so she is like loving being doted on by this person who I see as my partner and so it's easier for them to sort of bond and she she just really adores him and so for him and when she goes back to him she talks about him and like you know recent not too long ago she started saying do you know I have two daddies and like I know I was like I was like okay and like with that I was like I'm not too sure what to do with this and I was like what do you think so I had to have the conversation with her where because she was telling me do you know um Connor is also my daddy no she was saying this to me Connor is also my daddy and Tyler is also my daddy and I was like this has been like it hasn't even been that long and you're feeling like this impressionable yeah yeah so how did you navigate that conversation it was a bit like because I wasn't sure whether to like stomp on that and be like no you know that's not that's not your dad blah 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 and so for me it was like if you're getting those feelings on your own and you're coming up to me and telling me you've got two daddies I'm not gonna ruin that for you so I explained to her I was like but look when we get married that's you know he's gonna become your stepdad but do you feel like he is treating you like he like um uh, his daughter and she was like yeah you know um what did she say she was like now I have two daddies I've got daddy number one and daddy number two when I'm over here I've got a daddy and when I go to daddy's house I've got a daddy and I was like Oh, right. Yeah, I can imagine her being all like big eyed and being all sweet and like, daddy. And you're yeah. like, ah, stop it. Because <laughs> your daddy's not going to like this. But I also kind of like it. 
Did you feel <laughs> a bit like that? Because you kind of felt like, oh, she likes him. That's good. That's all happy. My yeah. family's happy. But also, shit, this is going to be a shit storm when he finds out. Literally. Because even for me, I was like, right, I don't know whether I do want you to feel like that just yet because it's so, mm-hmm. so quick. And like, I don't want it to be a situation where like, she really creates a bond with him and then touch wood something bad happens and then she's got this guy that she thought she feels is her second dad and then now he's just not there type thing so that was very worrying for me so I had to sort of be like okay if that's how you're feeling then that's great you know he's putting in the effort to bond with you enough for you to feel like that so that's good and so I was telling her like, yep, our family is very, very big. You know, you've got love from everywhere and you've got love, you've got Connor who's going to always be there for you. And if you feel like you need anything, he's going to be there for you. And so I was a bit nervous, to be honest about it, to begin with, because it was still sort of a new relationship and I didn't want to introduce anyone to her that I didn't feel, you know, was going to last or anything like that. Also, and, and also in your head, probably thinking, oh, my God, is she going to go up to her father and say, I've got two daddies? Because how would you feel if she said, I've got two mummies? Oh, I would be through. No, it wouldn't be happening. I'd be like, no, you've got one mum. <laughs> Me? <laughs> That's it? I was that in labour for two fun. days. Thank you. <laughs> Literally, that is how it feels. So for me it was and one day she said it like whenever he came to pick her up the first thing she said was like do you know I've got two daddies and he was just kind of, he kind of looked, like didn't really acknowledge it kind of just brushed it off and I was like what do you mean uh, because the thing is with kids with kids and again correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not a mum but like if you pick up on a word if they say a swear word or something you make a big deal they're more likely to say it whereas if you just ignore yeah. it they, they might stop yeah they might just calm it down but she didn't stop it was like she wants she was like testing it out to see what people's reactions oh, were to it. I know. even to my grand or my granddaughter to my dad she would go up and be like granda you know that I have two daddies and my dad would just be like oh right is that right and she would sort of stare at him to see and like she's clever she started, isn't she? she's very very clever and then she started doing this thing where she would be calling him daddy and then she'd look at him and see like his reaction. And he was just like, I, I don't know what to do. And he'd just be like, yeah. Oh, bless him. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is such a thing. It was such a big thing. And even to this day, she still says it and sort of sees what anybody's going to do. And like, it was just a bit mad. And then recently something that I, I wasn't too happy about but I know I was like you know I can't I don't know what to do about it and I don't know how to navigate it she I was putting her to bed and she was a little bit upset and I was like are you okay and she was like yeah well daddy just said something to me talking about her biological dad and I was like what do you mean and she goes well he told me that I don't have two daddies and I was like what do you mean he goes he said that he's my daddy and that Connor isn't my daddy. He's just my friend. And I was like, oh. And I was like, well, he's not your official dad yet because we need to get married for that to be like official. 
And so I was like, but how do you feel? You know, what do you think about it? And she was like, um, I want to have two daddies. I want Connor oh. to be my daddy as well. Oh, bless her. I, know, I was just like, stop, right. And I was like, okay, well, if you feel like he treats you like a daughter, and if you feel like, you know, you have that love for him as a dad, then you shouldn't let other people tell you otherwise. Not me, not your dad, not anybody else. And if you want to call him your dad, then that's up to you. I'm not going to tell you otherwise. And I'm not going to tell you to call him that. And I'm not going to tell you not to call him that. You know how earlier on we were tr- struggling to identify a good mum? Yeah. Good mum, Aqua. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I try my best. I try my best. Sometimes it feels so the opposite. But in times like that, I really have to be sensitive. I feel like I have to be sensitive towards her feelings. Because I yeah. think with kids a lot of people think like we have to think for them and we make the decisions for them but I think they have to be involved in a lot of what happens to them and what goes on around their lives so I think I try and give her as much say as I possibly can. Have you and are you going to have the chat with her biological father about this two daddy situation or just leave it? I did I did because whenever after she told me that because she was really upset and then after I said what do you feel she was like well I want to have two daddies and I want Connor to still be my daddy and I was like well that's up to you and you know if your daddy says that to you again you tell him well this is how I feel and I wouldn't like it if you told me how to feel (laughs) and so after that I was really a bit annoyed because I don't I felt like it was sort almost telling her that her feelings are incorrect and like what she's feeling isn't right she needs to feel a certain way instead but you can also appreciate how he would feel hurt absolutely absolutely I was like that's what I said to him as well I was like look I do appreciate that's a big thing and I I reassured him I was like look you're her dad that's never ever going to change it's it's not something that can be taken away from you but you have to realize like if we're trying to have a family together, that's going to be detrimental to the way she's thinking of our family dynamic. Cause then she's going to be like, well, that's not my dad. My dad told me that that's not my dad. So what these feelings that I'm having are wrong. And so I explained to him, like, I think we should like almost give her a choice as well, rather than tell her she's wrong. And if you want to explain to her, like, if you feel like, like he is treating you like a daughter that's absolutely fine but I just remind you I'm also your dad and you know I'm your biological dad and he's your stepdad type of thing and that's how I would have preferred he navigated the conversation rather than because she was upset you could tell she wasn't too happy about the fact that she got told that he's only her friend and so when I made sorry sorry no go go ahead carry on no saying when I made him aware of that he was sort of like I get where you're coming from but I just don't think it's okay to tell her that until you're married which I was like I agree I I agree with what you're saying I don't think it's very good to be telling her like yeah that's your dad but I don't also I don't think I didn't introduce that to her she's the one that came up to us and told us I have two daddies so I don't think it's right to stomp on that 
I sat her down and explained, you have a dad who's your biological dad. So you've got your biological parents. And then once we get married, Connor will be your stepdad. So you will get to have two dads. She goes, so can I not just have two dads? And so I try to navigate that as best as I possibly could without interfering with how she's feeling. Because then that I feel would be detrimental to our family dynamic later on in life because yeah. if when we me and connor have kids they're going to be calling him dad and then i don't want her to feel like uh, like the one that's left out the only one that calls him connor or the only one that feels like that's not my dad that's my friend do you know and yeah. why would and you yeah. have a 27 year old friend <laughs> he doesn't so want to go into school saying i've got a friend he's 27 he's a man <laughs> So wrong. Childline come round. <laughs> Social services. That's not funny to joke about, FYI. We're laughing, but it's not funny. Um, what was I going to say? You mentioned how you have to really think things through and you think from her point of view before you kind of answer these questions. And it must be really challenging when kids ask you questions that take you back because you're a bit like, oh, wasn't ready for that. And they do because they're curious. Is that one of the biggest challenges, not reacting on emotions, but trying to think logically before you answer children or have conversations? What challenges do you face as a mother? A hundred percent. I think most of the time is figuring out whether the information that I am giving her and the things that I'm teaching her are right according to my moral code, not anybody else's, but mine. And whenever she comes to me with situations or anything, I kind of like try and step into her shoes because it's not that long ago I would be looking at my mom with like, why why are you saying these things to me? And why are you why are you using such language with me and your child type of thing? So I always have that at the forefront to sort of think I don't want her to get those feelings. So every time she asks me something like really like strange, I would tell her like, we need to have a conversation about this and we will have a conversation about this. Let me just have a think about how to explain it to you because sometimes it's going to be hard for me to say these things to you. So I need to find a way to tell you it properly. And she gets that. She waits until I can figure out how to say these things. And like, you're on your blackboard thinking, fuck. Mommy, what's sex? Yeah. It's literally, it's so it's such a thing with any single question like even explaining simple words and I'd be like how can you explain this to your four-year-old and have her understand it correctly it's so hard even like recently I've had to be start talking to her about things that I think every parent needs to talk to their children about which is like um being safe and like the no pants rule and like stranger danger and like no pants rule that no pants rule then no 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 touch rule the good touch bad touch no something 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 i've never heard of that i said that so wrong not the no pants rule the no touch rule the bad good touch bad touch rule but i had to sit her down and say to her like like, what is going on (laughs) the no touch rule i had to sit her down and be like these areas are only for you to see and whenever I'm bathing you I'm only gonna be the one that sees these your aunt aunt, aunties and your parents are the only people that are going to be able to see these areas and like they shouldn't be touching them 
they should not be like you shouldn't someone should never ask you to touch them in that area and you should never ask someone to touch their that area and she knows that that is that is really important to teach yeah very very important even like when I look back on on my childhood my parents never sat me down I mean even you know they never said look if someone tells you come over here let me see what's what type of pants you're wearing or anything like that it's not a good sign and straight away run to a parent and tell them yeah but you're not not told that are you but even that would help you in adult life going if those things are ingrained early on one thing that my I'm sure she won't mind me saying this my sister one thing that I witnessed when I was living there for a short period of time that I was really like that is good parenting my nephew is a little boy he's five he was touching his willy right she went she went that's fine to do that darling but you do that by yourself in your room but that's okay and it was like a conversation about masturbation obviously it's not wanking but it's like saying that's okay to touch yourself there but only you do that when you're by yourself so little things like that yeah and nobody really tells you that. No. Like, from people from like generations from before would have never had that well, conversation. Right. I don't know about you, but I remember when I first discovered that that felt good. <laughs> and I, I thought I was evil and I thought I was wrong. <laughs> and I thought I shouldn't tell anyone this. I shouldn't do this. This is awful. And now I know I'm, I just I knew what was going on from an early age. But back then I thought this is awful. I can't do this because you're not reassured in that way because those conversations weren't had. So, I, Yeah interesting definitely yeah even like like you say I've I like if I discovered my punani a long time ago but I would be like I'm sure I can't tell anyone because like no. this is so bad you know I thought so I was wrong you felt like you were evil <laughs> but why did it feel yeah. so good <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and then I'd be hiding it being like this is I'm like especially coming from a Christian background I'd be like I'm a sinner doing this kind of things like this is so bad (laughs) and so I think a lot those conversations needs to be had from Mm -hmm. a young not a young age but like gradually like tell your child talk to your children about these things because nobody someone else will talk to them about it and it's not going to be in the way that is deemed right according to yourself because then imagine your kid coming to you and being like oh, you know, I was doing this and my friend told me that you could do this to yourself. You know, that would be very worrying. And so I try- Or no one tells them and then they just go through their life feeling confused and that's something that will stay with them forever because not mean to put pressure on you, Aqua, I know you know this already, but parents really do shape the kids and can, if they they fuck up, then the kids fucked up. They fuck up. yeah and then that follows you through adult life because that creates a thought process in line with that which you're going to carry on as an adult and then until you realize like oh it's not like that and then it's too late because you've already got that thought process so it's just a bit I try and have these conversations with her and even like with stranger danger she was like but I was telling her like you can't really go up to strange because she's such a bubbly person and she goes up to everybody being like hi my name's Lily what's your name anybody and everybody and it started getting worrying so then I was like look you can't do that you can't be going up to strangers you can't 
go up to people and be like, well, it is, you know, if someone comes up to you and says, you know, come with me, come, I've got a dog in my van or like, come see this in my house, you know, always say no. And then in the shop, a lady was like, hey, and I was like, hi, yeah. And then she turned around and goes, oh, mommy, you can't talk to strangers. But the lady laughed. Yeah, she was just like, oh, she's clued on. Like, oh and so I had to sit there and be like, that's being polite. It's not like me going up to a stranger and following them. It's being polite. And so it's just navigating how yeah. to explain things to them and teach them these things. It's really hard. You'll be careful. If, if she walks in and Connor's got his hand on your boob, there's going to be an argument I... in the house. You can't touch mummy there. <laughs> He's allowed. around, I'm like... Sometimes like in the morning, if I'm going to the toilet or something in the morning and she's up before me and I'm wearing like a pajama top and like no bottoms and she'd be like, mommy, you know, you're meant to hide those parts. You can't show your bathing suit to people. And I'm like, oh, I know. I'm just going to the toilet. It's like in the middle of the morning. (laughs) For one second. I know. Wow. Honestly, I've got such an insight into uh, to motherhood. Oh, I'd say to you as well, in terms of conversations around race and racism, have you had those conversations or is that something that you think about and you're like, I'm going to have to do that? I mean, yeah, even, as a, even as a Caucasian, if I had Caucasian children, then I would still have that conversation to educate. Yeah, 100%. But obviously a very different conversation, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Different, different in the way, like you would just need to explain it from the point of view for people that aren't, Caucasian because they would be the ones that would be more racially attacked than you know Caucasian people which with everybody I think every single person needs to sit their children down and explain to them there are different races this is what happens to certain people and this is how certain people are treated because of their race or color or religion and I've had to sit her down and sort of tell her like like we are different we are different in a way that's just to do with our skin color. It doesn't mean we're different inside. doesn't mean we're a different kind of people. We're just different. Everybody is different. And she's just like, wow, she loves her brown skin. She loves her hair. She's in love with the person that she is, which I'm thankful for. But she also recognizes that there's different types of people and she loves them for like whatever they are. She never sees the difference. And there was this show, this kids program, that I wasn't well it wasn't even me that picked it up it's Connor that picked it up um they were watching this show together and they in the characters they had humans which were dressed as humans and they were just normal characteristics blonde hair white skin and then there were animals farm animals which they had pigs and cows they weren't dressed in clothes or anything they were just like normal animals and then they had monkeys who were dressed in clothes and the monkey was driving a bus and they had a monkey family but then no other animal had clothes or the monkeys and the humans and so he was like really taken aback and was like uncomfortable with it I didn't even notice it was a thing and then he was like should we not really we shouldn't really let her watch that because it's not really nice to see because people obviously would refer to black people as like monkeys and that's like an, an obvious thing like a low-key obvious thing and I was like oh rah I didn't realize that at all and so we had to tell her like you can't watch that anymore 
because it's not a very nice program and she asked why and we were like well what do you think is different in these about them and she goes and she picked it up up on it straight away she was like well um those other animals don't have clothes and the monkeys driving a car (laughs) pigs aren't driving (laughs) a car car. (laughs) i know right they're not doing anything and so i was like yeah and so it was just a weird it was a bit weird to have because i was like i don't even know whether to tell her this but then I was like, some people might find that offensive and, you know, we don't really like that. And, you know, and she was like, why would they find, why would they not like it? And I was like, because growing up, but it doesn't happen anymore, but growing up, people that were brown skin would have been compared to and likened to monkeys. And so when, when people of color would look at this, they wouldn't be as comfortable because they would be like, I don't know whether you're trying to make like humanize the monkeys and they didn't have any black people in it. There was just the monkeys dressed as people, which was just a bit weird for me. So I had to sit to her and explain that to her. And then I had to tell her like, sometimes you're going to get people that are going to not like you because of your skin color. And you're going to get people that will make fun of your hair because it's curly. But she was, and she was just like, but I like my hair and there's nothing wrong with curly hair. So why would they make fun of it? And I had to just explain like, look, people sometimes are scared of differences and that it could be down to that, or they just haven't been taught very well about different types of people. And so you just have to be wary of those kinds of people. And those people are wrong. (laughs) They're wrong. Yeah. People are assholes. And And some of them, though, it's just down to education. I think not a lot of people are educated enough or told enough, like, that's not a funny thing or that's not something you you joke about. You don't make fun of people for that, you know? But what's the excuse in terms of not being educated now? Like, when, like, okay, children, not all parents might have that conversation, but when you're an adult, like, in the climate that we live in, and the, the kind of year that we are in, you would, there's no excuse. Yeah. It's just small minds, but it's, it's like a shift that's going to take a while. It's not going to happen overnight. Some people are going to be very intimidated by the fact that, okay, now we have to be cautious about this thing. Whereas before it was so joked about and laughed about you know you had the likes of blackface that was such a thing and it was like a comic thing but then now it's so frowned upon so it has to shift again from people being so low-key light racism and like joking about and they are they're not meaning it to be like a joke but it is racist but they they're the kind of people who would be like oh people are too sensitive nowadays they're the uh, cotton wool kids or whatever if the shoe was on the other foot and you'd been taking the piss out of like lightly oh it's just banter forever you would not be <laughs> saying that you would not be feeling like that if your ancestors had been like slaughtered and slavery yeah. and all of that you would not be saying those things it, uh, mm-hmm. yeah I mean we're obviously not here to discuss race but it does it's <laughs> something that you obviously as a parent of a mixed race child I'm sure it's something that maybe is, is a fear for you yeah it is and I don't know I don't know what she would identify as because that's it that's going to be something that she's going to have to go through as well she's going to have I'm sure every mixed race person goes through where they're like I don't know whether I fit more into like being white 
or whether I fit more into being black and so I've had to sit her down and be like look you're both you know you get the best of both worlds you're not black you're not white you're mixed race so don't be feeling as if you need to pick sides or anything like that you just need to accept that you've got the best of both worlds something one of my um I've got a friend who's mixed race and she said that it wasn't until she kind of lived in London and was surrounded by more um black people that she was told that you're so whitewashed like it was a really bad thing yeah I don't like that yeah it's not nice to like what do you what do you mean whitewashed I don't get like why would you say whitewashed to a mixed race person they have two different races within Mm. them so how can they be whitewashed no, doesn't make any sense. Well, Aqua, thank you so much for taking time out of your day as a mama to come to. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to say, either to someone like anyone who doesn't have a clue what motherhood is like, or any words of wisdom, or just anything at all that you'd like to add on? I think one thing people just need to remember is with motherhood is such a beautiful thing. I think people forget like you're bringing life into the world and then guiding that life to be somebody. It's something that you should enjoy, not take lightly either and not take for granted. Because sometimes I do feel like, oh, this parenting business is too much. But other times I'm very blessed to have the experience because that's everybody, like women especially, have that experience that's why we're women we're there to be mothers as well so I think everybody should just enjoy it and especially with people like for me at the beginning I was so panicky so 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 panicky I think people just need to take a step back and realize it is a journey that takes time to sort of figure out I'm not even figured it out myself so just to take baby steps I don't know if it's your name but you're making my eyes well up (laughs) (laughs) you're so sweet thank you so much for coming on you're welcome it was so nice to talk to you again how lovely is aqua oh my god making me well up at the end there it's not about them me crying it's about them crying and I failed again oh um that was aqua story about motherhood um as you can see really really interesting lots of different factors came into that episode and it was just so great to hear her story now I can imagine I don't know because I'm not a mother but I can imagine that every single woman's story of motherhood is completely different um, but I would love to know about your story so if you want to get in touch you can do so woman to woman podcast at gmail.com uh, you can also use that email to give me any feedback or to nominate yourself or someone you know to come on the podcast we're nearly at the end of this series but we're gonna go again so do get in touch and and let me know thank you so much for listening have a wonderful week and I'll see you same t- same time same place next Wednesday where I'll be joined by another another incredible woman.